So close to 50. So close to 50. Half century. Sure. Uh, What color is that? Silver? Gold? Um, sure. (laughs) A mixture of the two. (laughs) That's not a thing. We're recording on a Saturday night. Mm -hmm. Suburbs are hopping. (laughs) Are they? Um, so yeah. What's going on? You told me you had loads of intro stuff to talk about. Uh, well, I decided to save some of it for good news, bad news. Okay. But what are your what are your sports hot takes? Your your World Cup updates, um, your Wimbledon hot takes. Hit me with them. I know you're all Wimbledon, about all about that. Everyone still looks terrible and all white. You hate the all white. And I'm white. very concerned about the underwear situation. Because you reminded me last year on the podcast we talked about the underwear controversy at yes. Wimbledon. So I just want to know who's sponsoring their, like, no-show, no-lines underwear. It's a critical part of the whole ensemble. Yeah, like, where's the sponsorships for that? That's what I want to know. I don't care about Uniqlo. Well, yeah, the biggest real news is that biggest Roger is not wearing Nike clothing anymore. Nope. I thought it was, like, an accident or something, He's like a, a dry-cleaning incident He's moved on. in round one. But correct, he's signed a 10-year contract with Japan-based Uniqlo. I think that's why. I think Nike was like, meh, we'll give you two more years in professional Probably tennis. Probably like and Uniqlo four was or like five. 10 years. Like, does he just have to keep wearing it in his personal life now? <laughs> like, for the rest of his life when he's photographed, he has to be wearing Uniqlo? I mean, and they, and they got the headband for him and everything. I can't imagine that they sell too many headbands prior to the Roger Federer... I don't know. There were a lot of floors Campaign? in the Uniqlo store in Melbourne. A lot yeah. of weird stuff. But he is wearing Nike sneaks, though. Does Uniqlo not make sneakers? I don't think they do, but I guess the shoe contract is different than the apparel contract. Oh. That reminds me of that episode of Pitch with the shoes. And the dress? Yeah. No, mm. but she wore the... She put someone's Reeboks on that time before right. she jumped in the pool, even though she had just signed a Nike shoes contract. It's a big deal. Apparently. Uh, but Roger looks terrific. Rafa looks fine. Roger looks so... Like, people talk about how good Rafa, like, looks and plays on clay. But Roger on grass, it looks like he's playing ping pong and the other guy's, like, playing tennis with a bowling ball. You're in love with him. I know. It's okay. You it's were the one... that I've accepted. You had some quote about how, like, you would be most devastated if there was ever any controversy oh, or Me Too yes. issue with Roger Federer. Any sort of scandal with Federer. No scandal. Whether it's doping or sexual abuse or domestic, I don't know, anything, I would be devastated. He He's one of, like, my top three most trustworthy athletes. Kind of like the way that... People treated Lance Armstrong like that and were then heartbroken. Sure. Yeah. My other example would be Teddy Bruschi from the classic Patriots yeah. era of our youth. Of He just seemed like such a family man and such a trustworthy guy. Yeah. And like he would be another one that I'd be devastated if any scandal came out. But Roger just seems it's like... on the record now. Roger just seems like someone that... I know we're probably jinxing it <laughs> by putting it out into the universe. But I would just be really, really upset if Roger turned out to be a bad dude. Because he just seems like such a nice guy. He seems so classy. Mm-hmm. That's what you've always said about him. And I would be devastated if something happened. Okay. Let's not put that jinx in. Uh, World Cup hot yeah. takes is who's, my other one. Who's your pick? Um, Croatia won. But people are saying, what happens if Russia invades Croatia overnight? Then is Russia still in? I was just concerned about Croatia's safety because they're in Russia. What For if the handful of fans getting out of that stadium and no, stuff? No, no, no. I'm okay. talking like like international safety. Like what if yeah. their plane has a mysterious malfunction leaving Russia? Mm-hmm. You know? What mm-hmm. if their hotel just happens to burn down? Like I'm a little bit concerned. Again, if any of these premonitions take place, people are going to come after you, honey. But you know how I feel about like certain countries and like the olympics and competitions and stuff as well Mm -hmm. like i just get worried that the athletes are literally gonna die if they don't perform up to the the standards it is a common fear of yours whenever we're watching an international competition yeah i just it scares me okay so your pick is oh um you got croatia wait let me see if i can even name who's left go for it 
There's only four. England versus France is next? Uh, no. England was playing the winner of today's game. Okay, so England versus Croatia and France versus Belgium? Correct. So it's super Euro-centric. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Croatia looked pretty solid today. They also looked exhausted, or they should be exhausted. But that one guy, their best player, just like fell over at the end. Yeah. And I think it was just exhaustion. I don't even think it was a flop. So, I don't know. They maybe seem like they don't have the steam. When is the next mm -hmm. game? They play Wednesday and not till Sunday, and they've scheduled it exactly as almost at the same time as the Wimbledon men's final. Why? Stupid. Stupid. Um, I've got a good feeling about Belgium. I was it's gonna, their first mm. time they've been this far since, like, the 80s. And, like, they have different colors than the other flags. So that has been a big issue for me with I the know, television and the I'm, colors. That's why I'm saying I'm that. not sure who will win, but I think England will lose in the final in some sort of tragic fashion. Apparently that's what they do in international soccer. I think Belgium is going to beat them. Okay. Or Croatia. I feel nothing towards the French. I'm kind of sick team. of the penalty kicks, though. I hope, like, the next big games don't go to penalty kicks. Well, if it was sudden death, it wouldn't have gone to penalty kicks today. True. That Stupid. would add another another layer of excitement, for sure. Yeah. And please, can we get the Make behind... death, you cowards. Can we get behind the shooter camera angle the on the penalty, penalty kicks? kicks? I know. You have no idea if it's going in, and the, and the announcers, are, like, are 100% positive, because they're looking at it at a good angle. Yeah. Frustrating. Or can I be done talking about sports for now? Yeah, okay. I guess. What were your other intro topics? Or you just want to go well, straight I think, into news? Well, I think we need to do our advertisement right now and talk about the biggest news of the week, which is that the Book Digits Instagram is taking over the world. It is not taking over the world. We have over the 50, bookish world. We have over fifty followers in a week. Yeah. So that's a big deal for me. And uh, we had some comments and some good interactions. There's a big. Bookstagram community out there. People are Huge. doing unboxing videos where, like, they open things. It's like, hey, it's a book. Oh, cool. Huge. Don't alienate the community that's going to. We haven't help crossed us. over yet between, but please do follow me and my wife. Oh, yeah. How many photos have you posted so far? At Book Digits. You have helped with some inspiration and some props for them. Right. So, am I allowed to explain to people what I come home to every day? <sighs> Yes. Just for a brief moment. Yes. There are... Ever, okay, time out. Mm. You are only allowed to explain it if you hyperbolize slightly less. Yeah. It's not been every day. No, no, no. And it's not been like every second or every day. There have been... No, I'll say this. When you get inspired... Thank you. You come up with some... This is like the most creativity I've ever seen you put together. And I've watched you write a book, too. And you think this is better than the book? That I didn't I wrote, say that. that I think saying? it's a more—it's more like acute creativity. It's amazing. You—I don't know. How do you start with your ideas? Do you come up with the book first, or do you come up with a prop, or does it all come together? Either. It depends. So, like, the reason I started doing it is because I saw this book challenge. I follow a few bookstagrammer people, like on my regular Instagram. Did I just coin that word? No, definitely Shit. not. Um. And I saw one of them posted something about doing like a July book challenge. And I was like, oh, that'd be a good way to get started with um, a book to just Instagram that I had talked about previously a couple times, but never had, was inspired to start it because then instead of just like me randomly taking a photo of our bookshelf or something, it like would be a little bit of a, uh, something to focus on. Mm -hmm. And so some of them are the prompts, like books about this or this color cover or this right. kind of character or whatever. So I've just been looking at the books that we own and picking one or a couple that would fit and seeing which one I get inspired by. But then you're adding like natural backgrounds, artificial backgrounds, things that you come up with just on the fly. Yeah, that's some of them just come to me. And I just, I'm like, oh, what if I did this and this and this? And some of them, it's like walking around our house doing something totally different. I'm like, oh, that would be such a good prop for this book. I mean, you did a Harry Potter one today. And I knew mm -hmm. you had plenty of props for a Harry Potter-like photo. Yeah. But for all the other ones, like, we talk a lot about whether we need all the stuff in our life. But you are making good use of it. <laughs> I haven't even, like, delved too much into our stuff. I, I need to go into some totes under the bed, I think, for some more props. Totes. That came out like an innuendo and it was not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do tease you about 
about being a little bit like Ben Wyatt. Because we just saw the episode. Could a depressed person make this? (laughs) See, but that's the difference, is that the punchline, like, with Ben's stuff, you're, like, kind of on the fence about it during, like, the first part of that episode, where you're, like, maybe he is doing something, like, super cool. And then Chris is almost buying into it, too. Yeah. And then you get to the part where he's ready to show off his claymation material so far. Here we go. This is just the Requiem for Tuesday. Stand in the place where you... (laughs) Right, so obviously that's the punchline. Yours, you've got, what, a dozen photos almost. And I have a bunch more saved up as well for planning ahead for some of the other challenges. You're an insta-prepper. That that one must be That is a very um, oxymoronic statement. Hmm. Insta-prepper. Supposed to be Instagram. Supposed yeah. to be instant. Right. Exactly. And you're preparing it ahead no, of time. No, I've never been good at that. I no. always take a photo you're, and You would be terrible at Snapchat. That's why I don't have a Snapchat. I'm also too old. I don't know the dab and whatever else <laughs> the young, the youth are doing these days. <laughs> Gosh. Am I allowed to talk about the um, party that we had this, this Wednesday for the youth? Sure. <laughs> We had a bit of a 4th of July party. This is what my intro was going to be. I forgot. Okay. We had kind of a last minute 4th of July gathering uh, because a lot of... Real quick, I have a guy at work... You've got a guy. ...who I only interact with him between... When we were saying the word totes, this made me think of it. That was like 10 minutes ago. Um, I only interact with him over instant message, but he writes toit like... Um, Jake Peralta. Yeah. Makes Noise. me uncomfortable. Yeah, he does all those things. <laughs> he's does also, he say I as well? He does. <laughs> and How he's based in Britain, though. So apparently the show does well over there. Anyways. He's trying to be amazing. Is that how he thinks all Americans sound? Maybe that's what he's doing. Um, okay, you can continue now. I was just going to say we had a last minute 4th of July party, mostly just to make use of our porch and our new patio set. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lot of fun, but... We're old compared to all these people that I work with. Yeah, for the you summer. reminded them that I was over 30 now, or at 30. That wasn't very nice of you. Well, sorry, are you mad about it? We don't have to talk about it right now. Okay. Anything else? No. Um, also, just wanted to briefly mention that we finished that amazing run of Ghosted, the show. Oh, yikes. Yeah, I forgot. Speaking of Ben Wyatt. Yeah. So yeah, apparently they brought in Toby from The Office to be the showrunner for the, you know, kind of like re- rebooted version of Ghosted. Is and, The Office make sure as well? Uh, no, I think he may have had like a tangential connection to it. Um, so the RDVR picked up four episodes, which was up until it got canceled. I saw some people online begging for it to like get picked up by another network or for them to release the last episode. Just let so it I was die. Like, let it rest in fine. peace. They had some good good people on that show. They had they introduced a whole set of new characters with this reboot, um, and there were a few good laughs. I'll always remember when they were uh, talking through the office through paper that they were writing down on, and one guy just said exactly what he wrote down on the paper. You have to watch it for it to make sense. Don't listen or to just that. don't watch it. Yeah, don't bother. <laughs> okay, that was I guess leading into my bad news. I okay. have some other bad news. Tell me. Um, so one is baseball related. Okay. I know you were itching to watch the Twins last Tuesday. Got home from work and you were just like, let's put on the Twins. Always, yeah, for sure. Um, but guess what? You could not have watched it on television. Why? Because it was part of Facebook Live. Oh, don't MLB partner deal. An exclusive stream of a live game. Did anybody watch it? Uh, I it's apparently they had a counter on there, and like at one point it was only fifty thousand people. Which, when you think about Facebook, that's like really based, really sad. Based on the level of um, excitement at the games that we went to live, I cannot see many people bothering to go onto Facebook Live if it wasn't just on the background of their TV. Yeah, like don't. Doesn't MLB realize that they get their ratings from being a background type of entertainment? Yeah. Like, they should know. Like, anybody who has a parent 
specifically my dad I'm thinking of. It's just in the background every day when you get home. Well, you bring up a good point talking about old people. No offense, father-in-law. Um, but you should have seen the Twitter feed of the Minnesota Twins. First of all, all of their at replies were just, the game's not on TV tonight. It's only on Facebook. Hey, you, the game's not on TV tonight because they were getting like railed against about basically all old people who somehow found their way onto Twitter saying, where the hell is my game? I don't care about Facebook. I don't trust Facebook. I don't have Facebook. I'm not going to sign up with Facebook, Facebook to watch a baseball game. So there's like another dozen games this year that will only be on Facebook. Specifically the Twins or across MLB? No, across MLB, the Twins were lucky enough to be one of the first ones. I just don't see the business, you know, prospect behind it. Like, okay. Did they get people to sign up for Facebook? Also, they even... only had one, it was one telecast, so they brought in commentators from each team and had a merged telecast. That sounds awful too. There's going to be no dynamic there. Um, my bad primary news. bad news for the week. Worse than that? Yes. Is the book I finished this past week. Uh, so I had talked previously a couple times on the podcast how uh, excited I was to read There There by Tommy Orange. I thought you were going to say the one that I'm having you read. No, I am. Oh my God. So good. You're loving it? So good. But I read a couple reviews of it and I saw some people didn't like it and I'm really offended now. About the book that I'm... Two different books. Yeah. The book we'll that... save that. Okay, we'll save it. We're on bad news right now. Sorry. Um, so, There There by Tommy Orange, Native American young author, graduated from this new prestigious MFA for Native American program. Mentored by Sherman Alexie, who has some shady stuff going on, but that's separate. So, I was so excited. I bought the book full price on Kindle. Read it. I never read brand Full new books. Full price on Kindle. 12 bucks, yeah. Might as well buy the paperback. I should have. Although in this case, maybe I'm glad I don't have a physical copy. Uh, read maybe it. we're going to have me read, read it this. right away. We, were gonna t uh, we had it lined up for an upcoming podcast. And you can go ahead and read my review on Book Digits. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it on the podcast because I think it it's an important enough book that I don't want to spend, you know, 20 minutes complaining about it, but I was severely disappointed. Mostly I'm disappointed in a lot of the reviews that are out there because you know how when we were going to see Black Panther, I was like, I really hope this movie is good and not just that white people are saying it's amazing yeah. because they really want it to be amazing. Yeah, or because of white guilt. Yes, I'm getting that vibe with this one. If you go through Amazon or Goodreads, which I've done enough on this book, there are so many reviews that just say, this is such an important book. This is a look at urban Native Americans and their search for identity, and it's so good. And there's just nothing very specific or, um, I don't know, very descriptive, yeah, very descriptive about the book. And then every single review at the end says, I couldn't really keep track of any of the characters. I didn't understand what was going on, and I didn't like the ending, but A+. And to me, it's like, that's a very imbalanced review then. And then isn't, aren't you, I don't know how to phrase this. What? Aren't you being racist by not allowing it to be, to have any flaws just because yes. you like, you're judging it based on, even if you're judging it positively, you're still just judging it based on the color of the skin of the person writing it or exactly. their ethnic background. The podcast that I listened to, uh, still processing from the New York times with two African-American, um, hosts they always bring up the fact of it's like let's get enough you know black and minority work out in the public so that we can have bad black media right bad books written by african-americans and so bad tv every shows book doesn't have to be like the yes. token book by this or like the epitome yeah. of black culture or native american culture or whatever so that's why i'm struggling with this because you know i in some ways i want the book to do well because i think this guy he's a very talented writer clearly um, so he, I certainly would be interested in seeing what else he comes up with. And like you want the publishers to think it's marketable for them to have Native Other, American sure. authors. Because that's, I think, the fear of a lot of people of color is that like their piece of work is going to be um, held up as like the 
example of, of their whole race. Right. Um, and if it fails, then no one else is going to get a second chance at right, it. Right, which yeah. is not fair. And that's what the still processing people are talking about a lot, I think, is that they're not like allowed to fail. Yep. Because if they do, it's their fault if there's no more people of color in movies because that one time it yep. didn't, it wasn't a success. So, so I get all that, but you can't you can't give it five stars if you find major major issues with how the story is told, how the story progresses, the characters in it. I mean, the the only thing I really need to complain about the book right now is that there are twelve protagonists. Each chapter is is labeled with a character's name, and it goes through each character like two and a half times, kind of. And you, every single review I've read says you lose track of who is who. People said I had to take notes in order to read the book successfully. And I don't know, that's just not the reading experience that I want, where I have to have a notebook and say, this character, okay, he has this this mother, this father, he has this issue that he's dealing with, and here's how he fits into the well, rest. It's not, was this supposed to be a novel? Yes. It's almost like he needed to just write a anthology and not mm -hmm. try and make it a novel. Like, if he wanted to tell these different stories with different characters, then yeah. maybe the novel format wasn't actually the best format. Maybe it should have been short stories or anthology. If it that felt was... like it, yeah, it wanted to be short stories or something you're spot on, I think. Um, and it's a very short novel as well. It's like under 300 pages. And to get through the material he tries to get through and all those characters, he introduces all of their backstories and then brings them all into one place at the end. And it just, it doesn't work. Uh, or it didn't work for me. And, but I will say he has this introduction, this prologue, and this interlude in the middle where it almost reads like, not like a stand-up comedy routine, but like a one-man show explaining the history of America from the Native American perspective. Okay. And it's like scathing, it's like really harsh and violent, and like I would absolutely read that, put it in like an English textbook or something, but it, the rest of the actual book falls flat. So he just needed a better editor and maybe a different format. He had he had about six or seven pages of acknowledgments. And just when I see that, it reminds me of like um, the Cheesecake Factory, where if you have a menu that large, like you can't be good at all those things. Like it's just not going to work. Yeah. If you have 60 people to thank for your book because they all played a role in in developing it, like, you know, books don't work like that if you have 60 people, I don't think. Okay. Hmm. Yikes. Okay, I've taken up a lot of time. Go. You got any bad news? Well, we just watched this video that I thought was going to be my good news, and it ended up being one of my bad news. You, you should know that no modern Backstreet Boys <sighs> videos are going to be good. Never since we saw the documentary. Brian, you can't fucking sing anymore, Brian! Yeah. Everybody knows, Brian! It ruined it for me, and then looking at Nick Carter in the video, I just remembered that scene because he just looked so unimpressed with jimmy fallon too this I'm never, clip like, was super charmed by those ones that's like a whole thing that they do well they did like the same well they did like the save by the bell and uh good burger reunions which were cute enough but what was the point of this just jimmy fallon singing with backstreet boys and the roots oh they do this it's like a, a regular segment they do mm. it's like popular songs with classroom instruments so they don't with like recorders and shit like yeah and i've never found it super charming but sometimes it's interesting just to hear like musicians and hear their voices and hear it with like weird instruments and this was rough it was rough yeah jimmy should look back on that like eight months where he was number one for a while and i guess enjoy that well no that's the problem is he's just doing the same shit yeah, there was that video circulating of where he literally tells the same joke about fucking CAPTCHAs, which every stand-up comedian in, I think, the contiguous United States has made a CAPTCHA joke by now. Yeah, but he has, like, this, it's, like, the same shtick yep. every single time. Not, like, a segment where he does, like, uh, repeats the joke. Like, mm. word for word. Yep. Yeah, it was bad. Um... My other bad news is the kind of my good news as well. Oh, those are my favorite. No, they're not. You usually yell at me for one. <laughs> I mean, I usually yell at you for breaking yeah. the rules. Um, Scott Pruitt resigned. EPA. Head of the EPA. Yep. Super awful dude. Wasted a bunch of taxpayer money and hates the environment. protection agency. So he resigned because of pressure, because of how much of a dickhead he is. Mm -hmm. But 
Of course. Take it. The replacement is like just as bad. Oh, of course. The replacement is Andrew Wheeler, a former coal lobbyist. Nice. In charge of the Environmental Protection Agency. Mm. So I, I understand that it's like a um, victory or a small victory, a little victory, as Matt Nathanson might say. Nice. That Scott Pruitt is out, but he like still owes taxpayers a lot of money for the bullshit he like private planes and all this bullshit that Mm -hmm. he did and he just like resigns and now there's just a just another shitty guy in his place like it's not like a bad guy's gonna resign and like magically a liberal person is gonna be put in that place like same thing with if t-word actually does get like impeached ever i don't know that they could prove that it was a campaign-wide kind of thing so it would just be pence in charge instead like there's not really a happy outcome of any yeah i'd say this classifies as bad news the way that you've you've pitched this one yeah okay can we get to good news now? That was the, that was my only good news. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Scott Pruitt wow. resigned. Okay, I've got some great ones. Okay. My primary good news is that um, Michael Paul, Michael Pollan exists, especially with Anthony Dorbain, Anthony Bourdain. I thought you were going to say because of our trivia passing. Way. No, Michael Pollan did come up big in trivia. You came up big but, in trivia. Uh, his new book's coming out. I just caught him on a podcast. I'll okay. give them the shout out. A shadow uh, Guardian's book podcast from the UK has great British accents. Some good book news. It's my new favorite book podcast. Okay. Um, Michael this with Michael Pollan so is just amazing. He obviously he's you know great food wise and as a cook wise, but he is such a good writer and he talks like he writes, which is just it's just amazing. So you to heard me. him on the podcast. Yes. Okay. And his new book is all about. Um, doing acid, and now I want to do drugs thanks to Michael Pollan. <laughs> That's my good news. I thought you were going to say from that friend bottom song, I did LSD with my grandma. Yeah, I mean, all these people are doing a great jo- job of selling it. So I guess I'll start with just reading the, the book. LSD lobby? I'll just start with the book for now. Okay. My other good news, more just funny news, Spotify is now issuing refunds to people who complained on July 4th that... Their podcasts were shitty? I mean, uh, that, kind that of, spot, yeah. Their, um, kind of. Their playlists were shitty? Um, the primary uh, reason for de- deserving a refund is if you complain that Drake took over your Spotify UI, your interface. Like there was too much Drake? Apparently, like, they put him on every single playlist, like, photo, even on playlists where his songs were not in. And the photo affected people? And just, it it baffled them, I guess, and he took over, like, all of the, like, the front page of it with this new CD, and they're like, I don't listen to Drake, I don't care about Drake, why are you showing me Drake on every single thing? So we complain, could we get a refund? I don't really care enough to. Okay. Okay, that's it. Alright, well, are we doing our what should book we do? or our movie first we just finished the movie but i feel like I, we probably will have a better discussion about the book so. okay you want to do a book first sure save the movie for as it gets later sure so a couple weeks back the children love the books the sequel the sequels children love a trilogy so we talked about the first two parts of a trilogy mm-hmm. illuminae and gemina the illuminae files yep by do you know both authors' names? Yep, Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. Good. Both Australian. Good on you, mate. Both from Melbourne. Yeah. Um, friends of the show. <laughs> no, they're not. Friends uh, of a friend of the show, though. Yeah? CS Picat? Good. Um, so we're here now to talk about the final installment of the trilogy, which came out this year. This Obsidio. is pretty video. This is pretty fresh Relevant. news. Part three. Uh, it's very similar in style to the previous two, as we discussed last time. It's this kind of mixed format between chat, uh, logs, chat logs, emails, phone calls. Transcriptions of video and yeah. audio. Deep space opera. I know it's your favorite genre. I still don't really know what space opera means. So just to recap from our last discussion, I loved, 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 loved the first book, Illuminae. 
like the best book I've ever recommended to you. Pretty good, but this new one you have me reading, we'll talk about that soon. I can't believe you're loving this new one so much. It's a very different genre. Yeah. Do you want to tell the people what it is? Or? No. Okay. Keep them guessing. Okay. Uh, Gemina, I enjoyed reading, but I wasn't blown away by it. And I liked Gemina more than you did, I yeah. think. Because I liked the new characters a lot. Okay. And so what are what was our grade distribution on Obsidio? I think I gave it an A-. minus. Did we both I give it an A-? I think we both gave it the same grade, which is rare. It's mm. right there. It's the book of the week. It's the book of the week. I should have known. By the time you listen to this, it will be it Not the book, the book of the week. Of the week. Yeah. Um, so far, only three people on Butchers have read it. It got A minuses from both of us and an A plus from Leah Bookish Obsession. She's a she's a good uh, friend of the book digit. She posts yeah. a lot. A, a regular user. A reg. Um. So yeah, should we give a brief sure, summary? Sure, I can of... give a brief summary. Okay, go for it. So this book picks up. Where does it pick up? Directly after the first two books, which mm -hmm. happened kind of at the same time. Yeah, we got into that a little bit last time. Yeah, so this book picks up with, actually starts with a new character. Correct. Um, two new characters for this book, but it's the cousin of one of the established characters from the first book. Right. Um, and you very quickly get into how the previous characters are all intertwined now right. and working together. And what they realized is that, or what the reveal is to the reader, at, at least, is that Baytac, who's like the evil corporation that attacked um, the planet, the planet yeah. or the colony in the first book, um, is actually still present at the colony. Um, right. They didn't just blow it up and are, leave. They invaded part of their it. forces are still there because they need a certain mineral or element or whatever yeah. in order to be able to leave. Because and the colony their ship has been damaged. mining that for and it's been a mining colony. Right. So they have basically killed a bunch of the um, settlers or citizens of the the, residents, the yeah. colony, the residents, and put the rest of them into like slavery. Correct. To make them yeah, forced labor. Forced labor to make them um, mine for them in order to get their ship up and running again. Right. And then their plan is to kill all of the settlers when they leave so that there's no trace, uh, of... no trace and no one to tell what happened, no witnesses. Right. So as with the other two books, there's this slightly forced deadline mm -hmm. that keeps cropping up throughout the book as a way to kind of give a sense of urgency and give you a bit of a timeline. Um, right, because there's a, it's kind of like a dual plot book. You have the action taking place on that colony, Carenza. Yes. And then you have the action taking place with our heroes from the other books. Or um, trying to who rescue are, them. Right. Who are actually in en route to that colony. Yeah. So more so than the other two books, this book had that dual perspective of you had a person on the ground and then a person doing the rescue or a perspective doing the rescuing. Um, so there colonists are basically trying to rebel and slow down the mining and um, survive against the invading forces, if right. you will. They have a group of kind of rebels trying to lead the way. Yeah. And then you have the people on the ship that's supposed to be rescuing them dealing with a lot of their own shit because they've both just come from traumatic situations. Yeah. Um, so you have them dealing with a mutiny and um, more of the AI, oh, Aiden, yeah. Best character plays a ever. big part again. I got a little bit sick of Aiden in this book. <gasps> How dare Sorry. you? I got a little bit his sick of his... are the best. His, um, I don't know. His shtick. I was going to say shtick, but I feel like I just used the word shtick, and now we're overusing oh. the word shtick in this episode. Yeah, I got a little bit sick of his shtick. And yeah, he kind of does repeat the past here. Um, yes, that was going my to the well for the same sort of effect. Biggest issue with this book is that I, f I did feel it was getting a little bit repetitive. Like the yeah. authors maybe ran out of ideas or just were recycling some of the old ideas. Like I feel like the Aiden stuff was not a shock compared to what it was in the previous books because yeah. it's like he's just doing the same shit over again. And they use this this uh, deception. Uh, of someone 
lying or getting in a fight, but yeah. it, it was a fake fight. Yeah. Like three different times <laughs> within like a hundred pages. Yeah. So like by the, the second and third time, I was like, oh, it's not a real fight. It's a fake fight. And they're just doing it to like deceive the enemy. Yeah. In this case, the third book, like it's one of those situations where clearly they they knew where they wanted to go with it, what they wanted to get to. And, and they had a, they had, you know, a good idea for that. And they just had to reverse engineer it backwards and kind of fill in the gaps to like get people into the places they needed to be and people on the right sides they wanted them to be. And yeah, it's not all as effective as it doesn't feel very natural, I guess. Yeah. And I definitely just felt like they're like, Oh, we'll do this. And it's like, you just did that. Yeah. So I thought what the first and second books did a very good job at was even though the setup got a little bit predictable, they still had some really good plot twists and surprised me. And, I, and mm -hmm. that's a big thing for me with books because, as you know, um, I am very prone to, like, guessing what happens in things. That's mm -hmm. why I think I don't like mysteries very much. And that's why I sometimes struggle with TV shows and movies is, like, I figure out what's going to happen or I make a guess of what's going to happen and I like my answer better than what actually happened. Yeah, that's happened. So... I was impressed by the first two books, the ability to have some cliches and some tropes, but to kill, still keep me guessing. Mm -hmm. And this book, I felt I was a little bit less like surprised by the plot twists and things like that. I was kind of like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like it wasn't. Yeah, I was geared up to be like really like shocked and surprised by some plot twists. Like the we were talking about how it introduces new characters on the uh, the colony, and one of those characters is you know, working for the enemy. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that he has a connection to one of the rebels. And it's like, wow, this is going to be like really intense. You have a, a bad guy who thinks he's a good guy. And, you know, how's this conflict going to go? And that, that thread of the plot is good, but it never like pulled me in any wow direction, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Back after a quick break, we just, uh, Chased a spider around the living room. And we it's have okay. never found it. So it's, okay. it's, it's still fine. in here somewhere. It's fine. I'm going to keep an eye on We're sitting on the it. other side of, the, of our studio here. We're fine. Back to Obsidio. So I um, really liked the new characters. Okay. But I... Now there's a fly around me. <laughs> My gosh. I struggled at the beginning of this book because it's been a little while since I read the other ones. Sure. So, like, if you are a reader who read these as they came out, yeah. and now are picking this one up as soon as it comes out, I did not remember what the fuck happened. Okay. Um, I so you vaguely... would have enjoyed a little bit of, like, a recap. Yes, and I, mm. I used to hate in the Harry Potter books when it was like, last what year. What happened last year? Yeah, like, <laughs> that's what you missed on Glee. Like <laughs> That was funny. Yeah, so usually I don't like those necessarily because they just seem really clumsy yeah but in this case it seemed to have the opposite problem of it just went straight ahead with like it being like hannah and nick and this and that and this and i was just like what happened what yeah. are they referring to especially like katie and ezra like in the, that's reaching back in yeah. the timeline of the story that has just happened but for the readers that was two books ago and three years ago or whatever so I would have liked a little bit more, not a clumsy like, here's what you missed, but a little bit more of a recap, a few more hints of, and they have characters who are just meeting face to face for the first time. They would have had some easy yeah. ways to insert, like, fill me in about this or remember Maybe what this Maybe that's happened. where the, the format of the book kind of harms it because it, it can't just, you know, have exposition like that. I guess so, but they have chats between them all the time. I know. I don't know. It is like... I mean, it's a tough thing for authors to do, though, is that you you want to kind of write your book as if someone's reading it cover to cover in a sitting, but, you know, nobody reads books like that. Right. So how, how do you make that work? I don't know. I think they could have managed it a little bit better in, sure. in this book because I was... I spent a lot of time at the beginning, like, asking you a couple times, being like, was this that? Was this that? Like, I shouldn't have to... It's one thing to, like, Google if you forget a name or something, but it's yeah. another thing for, like, every ten pages to be going, wait a minute, what happened? Wait a minute, who's this character? So I okay. struggled a little bit with that at the beginning. And I usually have a decent book memory, too, and I struggled a little bit with diving right in. Sure. Um, 
It was interesting, though, in this book, the reveals of who was compiling, who was doing the transcripts, and who was making the notes and stuff. Because yeah. in the first two books, or at least the very first book, you it seems like it's just a third party that's making the notes on the different uh, pieces of evidence, if you will. Yeah. And then you find out in this book that it's, it's a spoiler, I guess, but it's actually some of our main characters who are doing the compiling and doing the transcripts of the videos and things like that, which puts a different spin on it. And I think this is a book we would like to own or mm-hmm. series, or at least the first book we'd like to own. So it would be interesting to go back and reread with the knowledge of who's actually whose perspective it is, because yeah, it does. You don't it, think so? it is presented as like a evidence for a court case. So I'm not exactly sure the honorable judge would would accept such subjective materials in. Uh, well, your for explanation this, was maybe yeah. that like the jury and the court actually got the video, and the transcript was just a, like addendum kind of thing. Sure. It's but a wrong yeah. use of addendum, but yeah, like an uh, an addition. Sure. Um, so, but I thought I thought that part was interesting, mm. especially because I was trying to figure out exactly who it was, and then they make a point of introducing another person, a second person doing some of the transcribing. So, I found that bit a little bit interesting. Sure. Um, and I found it interesting how they did weave into the plot about making the Illuminae files. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just like out of nowhere. Here's these files. It they it, they make it a plot point. Mm-hmm. That being said, the there's three books lead that's full of quote unquote evidence right. leading up to this big thing at the end, and it was such a letdown for me. Um, I wouldn't call it a letdown. It's like a perfectly fine final battle. You know. Uh, spoiler: The good guys win. They the all heroes win. come through. Nobody dies. They all have heterosexual relationships. Yeah, everything's fine. Yeah. For me, the biggest thing for me is that the end of book one, which I'll spoil here. There's this reveal that comes out, which is that Ezra, one of the main characters from book one, his mother is like one of the chief officers of Baytech, the evil company. And you're like, holy shit. Like, his mom is a bad guy. And that goes nowhere. No. In book three, it's mentioned he has to tell Katie, the love of his life, oh yeah, my mom's the bad guy. That's okay. And, yep, the mom's in in some of the court scenes, kind of. The little sketches you get of that. And there's like two lines of dialogue back and forth between them. They're like, mm, you know, I would never hurt my son. And Katie's like, you've hurt everyone. And that's it. Yeah, and I just felt like, I felt like when the other, the stakes of the other books and the plot points are people dying and colonies getting killed and spaceships getting blown up in space... That when all of the culmination of all of that is someone in court gets a guilty verdict, it just didn't work yeah. for me. And all the heroes were very, very satisfied with that. And like, just there, what justice is there other than yes, they were guilty? Right. Like, especially this third book, like, there's a lot of genocide. Yeah. Like, like two thousand people dead in a ditch, like reminiscent of like the Holocaust pictures you yeah. see in history books. And just some, like, a bunch of kids getting killed. And just, like, some really harsh atrocities. Mm -hmm. And a lot of moral questions of, like, at what point is it following orders? And what point is it, is it a moral dilemma? Like Like a Nazi kind of, Nuremberg kind of thing of, Mm -hmm. like, yes, you're following orders, but if the orders are immoral to begin with, then what do you do? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of these big ethical questions and really relevant questions with our government situation and other governments in the world. Um, and I guess the, you know, yeah, the I part just, that frustrated me was that like they could have left out the whole kind of court case concept and just the, the Illuminae files were like their way of trying to pass through history, uh, you know, the story of what happened. 
And I think I would have enjoyed that. And, and the fact that they have to present it as like a persuasive essay on why these corporate people should be condemned for this. It's like, obviously, like you could have just shown a half a second of them blowing up a planet and been like, yep, those are the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I think at the end of the, fir the first book, it's interesting because you're like, oh, that's what the files are for. Yeah. Cool. But I didn't feel like it was worth it in the end. I didn't feel like the reveal or the ending of the third book made it worth this whole charade no. of of it being these files for a court case or something. Like, for me, it just seemed like a very weird, like, dissonance between this, like, space battle genocide thing and then yeah. all of a sudden, like, yay, she's found guilty in court. Right, we're like, in a real deep future kind of thing, but they still have really mundane court cases when they bring in and present evidence and stuff like that. And just like know. you said, it just seems... Um, irrelevant in the end like because they get the whole point is they get you very invested in these battles and rebellions and things going on in space and then finish it all up and tie it all together with a court case and not even like they just passively watched the outcome from a restaurant right it was a very like event nod to the avengers like let's yeah. get shawarma kind of thing you want to know what i was waiting for what i was waiting for a gigantic twist where you find out that the evil company is not as evil as you think, or they're not who they think they are. Yeah, I think the Something first like that. the first two books had such good twists towards the end and multiple twists that the last book seemed a little bit too straightforward for me. And yeah, I would have liked a little bit of a bait and switch or a yeah um, unmasking kind of thing at the end. Because like, I mean, you teased me about it a little bit, but I talked about how I really liked in the first book how. The enemy was just this like kind of distant force yeah and they were running from them but you didn't see them so it was like how did you really know what or who they were then book two brought you like way too up close and personal with them like you saw this sort of um bandit crew of of the bad guys coming with to invade someone and, yeah and then the third one they went even more like like into the psyche of that yeah and it's just like those things worked as a concept like yeah this is a bad company coming to take over this you know valuable mine and because it's an illegal mine they need to blow it up instead of just taking it over but then to get so specific into the here's how their whole crew operates here's you know their line of com chain of command within their army it's just very very detailed and yeah, I'll always want to reread book one, but I don't think I'll necessarily want to go back to book two and book three. I like book two still. I don't, hmm. I didn't think book three as successfully brought all of them together. And like I said, I'm not I talking just, about it like an A minus. So not, much I'm more fun to talk changer. about negative things. I'm not a great things. changer though, so I'm not going to change my grade. It was but a fine finale. Yeah, I just felt like all of those things worked as a concept for me for different ways of looking at the enemy except when the conclusion for all of it is the enemy is this one lady in a suit yeah who doesn't even get that much page time no no so i think it would have worked better without that okay um yeah we're talking about it really negatively it is still a very good book i mean and a very we gave good it a good grade mostly for like the series, series overall yeah um I still think the book was well done. It definitely made me want to read it. I definitely cared about the characters and there were still plenty of interesting little reveals and things that I couldn't predict. And but the people who think, do the page layout and the illustrations should win awards and such. Yes, but I just think the first book set a really, really high standard that yeah. was hard to follow with the second book and that's, I guess, what happens when you write a fantastic uh, first book of a series is that... Mm -hmm there's nowhere to go right you have to fill in the gaps of the stories you didn't tell and you have to see things through which yeah the the feeling i get is that they did not have this all mapped out book one became a success and they had an idea of what was happening while book one happened and then they had to come up with a way to bring everything together yeah um that being said I think this is one of the books that you've liked the most that I've recommended to you. Still true. And this was the one that I, I thought you would like the first book because of the AI. I thought you would find it interesting. Yeah. And you did. True. Um, I did not think you would like it this much, mm. that you're this passionate about talking about it and that you like immediately wanted to read. I don't think I've ever seen you like series binge. 
No. You're not a binger and with most things. No, not since food. the Harry Potter days of my youth. So, and that one ill-fated Buffy weekend. <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, I was impressed with how much you wanted to binge this series. Thanks, honey. And I am glad I could get you a good, finally a good book recommendation. And the next one you're really enjoying too, so. Kudos to you. Mary! Mary, what's next? Well, 50 minutes in, um, yep. what's next is the movie that we watched tonight. Why do you keep letting me recommend movies for us? <laughs> so you're saying now that you've swung into good good book recommendations, I should just not listen to you about movies. I should just just quit while I'm ahead and leave it with some I mean, there is a common theme. We've said we wanted to watch Annihilation and this new movie today. Uh, Ingrid goes west for like months. Yeah. And if if we don't actually watch them until months later, that's a sign, I think. Yeah, that we didn't actually want to watch them, and it's just that other people talking about it that made us want to watch them. Yeah. At least we didn't spend any money on it. Very directly. true. Thank you, Hulu. You only broke the app. Only broke once while we were watching it. Thank you. I'm sure tomorrow there'll be a new Hulu update. Every Fuck off. Fucking day. Five um, times a fucking day. Okay, I'll give the summary of this one super quick. Sure. Ingrid Goes West stars Aubrey Plaza as a girl named Ingrid. Movie opens with kind of a montage of Instagram posts. You get the sense that... Well, you like know, ironic Instagram right. posts. And you're not really sure at first whether Aubrey Plaza's character is like enamored with Instagram or if she's like just like so annoyed by it. That's the point. That's how everybody feels about it. Right. And so you see kind of this quick scene at the beginning where she crashes a wedding, more or less, um, of some Instagram person and, maces, and maces the bride, and then ends up uh, in a mental hospital, I guess. And then you find out short while later, I guess, a slight spoiler here, that she doesn't actually know that person very well and just kind of stalked her on Instagram. And the fact that she has the bridesmaid dress is like a clue as to this is like a the stalker level. movie, yeah. not a, a a silly road trip comedy as I yeah. was just from the title led to believe. Oh, you that's what you thought it was about? I wasn't sure. I knew it was about social media, but I thought it was about someone who mocks uh, Instagrammers. This is what I thought it was. And it's okay. not that. No. It's a movie about it's stalkers. Yes. Yeah. And how stalker. social media leads you to believe certain things about people's lives and people overshare on social media. So essentially yeah. she moves to LA and... Because she she sees a magazine article about a new popular Instagrammer who lives in LA. Played by... Uh, little, Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, yeah. The little Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen. So she moves to LA based on one Instagram comment from yeah. this... Instagrammer, Insta-famous. Avocado toast, of course. Avocado toast. And... Although this this person can afford two houses and avocado toast. Yeah. Shocking millennial. Shocking. Um, so Aubrey Plaza with, like, some questionable math throughout the movie about her money. Yeah, they seem to, like, have... So her mother dies near the beginning and leaves her a sum of money. And it seemed like the screenwriters like needed to make it enough to fund certain things, but not too much that she could just go live an easy life. So they landed on 60,000. But she spends like, like a lot on rent, 3000 first thing when she gets there and then spends other thousands on other things. And is presumably there for a period of time. So there's more than one rent. And the movie ends with a, with a $50,000, uh, cash down payment for a house, but that's which the end seemed of all very money. illogical. It seems, unlikely that she only spent 10 grand but then she can't afford to fix her boyfriend in quotes eight thousand dollar repairs for a truck it just the yeah, math yeah it doesn't really follow anyways probably not that important but um they made a point to po like to talk about the amount yeah, though and then did. didn't really follow through with the amount so anyway she moves to la super impulsively and uh comes up with a series of Kind of her initial weird scheme is that what you're schemes. talking about? Yeah, that's the word. I was she steals a dog is the primary. She steals scheme. a dog is what happens. She like stalks this this Instagram person that she moved there for to try and figure out where she's going to be and what she, how she does her hair and what brands that she likes and stuff, um, and then steals her dog to yeah. arrange like a meet cute a friend meet cute. Yeah, and I know what that is. And then the thing. 
Do you? Yeah. Okay. Because they met and it was like, oh, oh the cute story. So cool. They yeah. saved your dog. Now we're best friends. Yeah. So she kind of like ingratiates herself into their life. Ingrains. The Instagrammer is married to the uh, the quarterback from 22 Jump Street. Yes. And uh, it all kind of goes downhill from there. I mean, they have a little bit of a peak. Yeah, no. It doesn't last very long. No. And even when they They're are... They're best at, friends for one day. Even when they are at their peak, it's like at the expense of She's other things in other their life. lives. Yeah. yeah. So she... Basically, the only validation or self-worth she gets throughout the movie is through being like photographed with this Instagram famous person and like going around and like getting compliments from her. Like that's the only time she feels like she's in the right place or doing the right thing. And you see throughout the movie, other shit is like going horribly wrong, disastrous around her, but she'll like get a like on Instagram. And that's like the only moment of true happiness. Yeah. Um, So it's It's very very unhealthy and very, I guess, poignant. And then like the plot picks up when... The Instagrammer's brother shows up, and that's where the movie really lost me. He was, yep. like, super annoying and didn't really serve any purpose except plot. to eventually blackmail device. Ingrid. Um, and to, yeah, like, like she's immediately, like, turned off by him and then starts to dislike the the her friend. And it's just, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And it got boring. It was a pretty boring like movie. Like, for a movie about, like, a stalker and a person having a mental breakdown and whatever, like, I was bored about three quarters, two-thirds to three quarters of the way through. I was just like, mm. all right. And also, like, you thought it was going to be, like, a cute movie, I suppose. I thought it would be really funny. Um, I thought it would be more of a thriller or, like, scarier. Because, mm. like, everything I heard of people's reactions was like, oh, my God, I have to go delete all my social medias. I have to go delete Instagram, whatever. Nah. Like, that was people's reactions that I had seen to it, and I did not get that feeling from the movie. I definitely – it definitely had things to say about social media and Instagram. Um, See, uh, my, my takeaway was that I didn't think it had anything to say about social media or Instagram. Okay. Um, I really think it was just a movie about a stalker. Like it could have taken place 40 years ago about someone who, you know, followed someone through newspaper clippings or something and then got into their lives and... It did almost feel like a remake, like a social media remake of, of an old like Hitchcock movie or something. And so, yeah, I was waiting for like it to like tear apart this sort of veneer of Instagram, but like Elizabeth Olsen's character kind of kind of is the person she's on Instagram, but kind of isn't. But that's not the point. Like, she's not ruining anybody's life with her semi-fake. But she's semi-fake. so fake. She ruins sort of. Ingrid's she really... life by presenting this ideal idea of this, like, perfect life that Ingrid could have if she just bought the right person, moved to L.A., and ate the right toast. Yeah, but the movie didn't make me dislike the Elizabeth Olsen character at all. Really? I just thought that Aubrey Plaza was so unbalanced really? that, yeah... Aubrey Plaza was definitely unbalanced, and she acted it very... Her acting was superb in the movie, I thought. But I thought that Elizabeth Olsen's character was just as fake. Eh. Really? Not really to me. Okay. I thought the whole point was that everyone is fake on Instagram. Yeah, Yeah, but grandmas know that. Like, that's not... I know the movie's not brand new, but, like, that's nothing revolutionary. Yeah, I I agree with you that it's not something that I hadn't thought before. I mean, if you go and watch the movie Her, talking about artificial intelligence and sort of tech future kind of stuff, like, that has something to say about technology's, you know, role in modern society and our lives. This reminded me that, yes, Instagrammers are sometimes lying about how good their lives are. So what? I just was waiting for it to get crazier. Like, I wanted it to jump the shark. Like, the way that, like, the tone of it and kind of the progression throughout it, I was waiting for, like, people to actually die or for her to. So I read a weird book. I forget what it was called. Mm -hmm. That someone basically, like, took over someone else's life. I was waiting for that to happen. Right. Like, her to, like become that persona and like literally like steal her phone and take over her life and become her on Instagram. Like I was waiting for like that level of crazy of 
Wearing like, her face. We, yeah, not quite wearing her face for okay. movie style. <laughs> but just like, especially when they were saying like she got the same haircut and had the same bag. Like I thought she was going to like literally try and become her. Like yeah. lock her away and like become her and answer her. Like I don't know. I thought that there was going to be more of a climax or more of like a jumping the shark thriller moment. Yeah. And there wasn't. Instead it kind of just all falls apart. There's a scene in the desert where someone and almost she's gets crying, shot. But... And, like, that was, I was like, okay, is this finally the point where, like, she still goes in a killing spree? Meh. Like, I just wanted it to be crazier. Like, I thought that if it wasn't going to be super witty or poignant or mm-hmm. in- intellectual, I wanted it to just, like, go crazy, if that makes sense. And the movie ends exactly as it begins. You know, her interaction with that very first, that bride, where she confronts her and the bride's like, I barely know who you are, and Aubrey Plaza's, like, clearly been stalking her for a long time. It's pretty much the same setup for the main plot of the movie. And, like, the ending And they have just, an altercation at the end, and that's the end. And the ending just, like, reinforces her horrible behavior. Like, I don't want to give the whole ending away, I guess. But, yeah. like, she gets the attention that she wanted the whole time. And it's a weird glorification of suicide as well. Yeah. And I also just really didn't get the character of Dan. Why did he like her so much? Yeah. But his character didn't make sense other than He was than a one-note character of Batman obsessed, and that was it. But why was he obsessed with her, too? She didn't no. even show him any attention. Is that no. why he was obsessed with her? Like, why did he keep coming back? I don't get it. Yeah, it had an interesting setup for sure, but it seemed like they had maybe 50 drafts of this, and they picked, like, the lamest, kind of most straightforward one. Like, oh, she just... took a lot of weird pictures on her phone. Oh, the creepy brother found the phone, and oh, now she's blackmailed, and this is all going to go down. She didn't even kill him. Yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of of how I felt with Lady Bird, in that like I felt like I had built it up to be this like revolutionary like movie that has never been seen the likes of yeah. before, and then I watched it, and it was kind of like oh, it's just a normal movie with a normal rising and falling action, and yeah. like I wanted it to be something different. Yeah, and it wasn't really. I hear you. <sighs> She didn't even take any cool book photos for her Instagram. <laughs> Shut up. It was quite ironic that I was on Instagram while yeah. watching this movie. About, Mostly like, playing your Instagram. Harry Potter game, but also some Instagram. But also some Instagramming. I've got to interact with people on the Book Digits Instagram so that they'll You're an influencer. You're an influencer. Not yet. Okay, so your phone's dead. My phone is dead. You have no upcoming dead. then. Um, I remember them. Okay. I have two. Go for it. Do you want the exciting one or the less exciting one? Less exciting, definitely. This connects really well with what I just said. Greta Gerwig is making a Little Women remake. Okay. I need to read Little Women. You do. It's on the bookshelf. Uh, Has not been photographed yet. It's on my Kindle. It's it's just long and boring. I'm sorry. Every bookstore I go into, I go to Louisa May Alcott to see if Little Men is actually a real book or not. Is it? Apparently it is. I thought it was like a Pride and Prejudice and Zombies situation. But from all I can tell, there's a book, a sequel called Little Men. Yikes. Uh, What's the more exciting one? I already told you this one. What? The Victor movie. The Yuri on Ice movie. You think there's going to be a full-length Victor picture? There's going to be a full-length movie. I forget what it's called because it's on my dead battery phone here. Nabokov. It is like... Ice Renegade or something that's like maybe sounded a lot cooler in Japanese, but um, it's going to be like a prequel to Yuri on Ice, all about young Victor. Okay. And I'm really into it. I'm sure it'll be shown in theaters across America. I'm sure it will not be. I'm sure I'm going to have to somehow bootleg it, but. What is being shown in theaters across America right now, and I'm mostly baffled by, is the movie called Tag. Yeah. We saw one trailer and I assumed it was like an, an SNL sketch or it's something. Not. It's a movie about five adult men who play tag. Mm-hmm. And and Jeremy Renner and John Hamm and Ed Helms and all these guys spent months working on this and, film. Um, I'm forgetting a Bradley couple Bradley Cooper. I don't think Bradley Cooper's in it. I think he is. No. I had the list up. We're missing someone. I don't know. Anyways... It reminded me of Game Night, but worse. It seems like that, yeah. I haven't seen that one either. No. Is that your only upcoming one? That's it. Alright, well, this has been quite a long episode already, so maybe we should wrap it up. Yeah, I think we'll have to record next week after the Wimbledon final, after the World Cup final. 
Okay, so we can give people more of our hot takes, because I'm sure that's why they're listening to the podcast, is for our sport hot takes. You know it. Um, as always, you can find these links sometime over the course of the next week on our Twitter, which is at ddgetdown. We can also see you on our Book Digits Instagram. Yeah. We're at 54 followers right now, so if you want to boost a like. that a little bit... Um, and see some of the books that I've been been reading or some of the books that we own. Um, you can do that and give me some likes. And if you haven't made a Book Digits account yet, what even have you been doing? Why are you even still listening? Honestly. Um, otherwise, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Bye. You gotta get down with the get down. Well now, get down, get down, er, get down, whoa, whoa, get down, er, get down, whoa, whoa. Maybe we can talk our neighbors into doing the same thing. Get down, get down, get down, get down. Get down.